The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. No, not that I would be drinking whiskey. No, my bulls shouldn't drink whiskey. I don't know what you're talking about. I would never ever <laughs> give it an is animal the nectar of life. I would never give an animal any liquids that would inebriate them. Really, you've never done anything like that as a kid. I've never ever no, once. As I, a, I, I will um, tell you. I'll tell you a quick story. Well, I've never once done that. It's not like I've given the doggo a beer. Well, I didn't do it on purpose, but I, I know one time when my folks were away doing something for a weekend or something like that. He happened to have a, just a small get-together at the homestead back on the farm. And I know when my my mom got home and she was refreshing the water for the, I think it was the cats. Yeah, for the, one of the cats. And uh, it had peppermint schnapps in it. So the cat was, uh, they had what's called a snuggler. Do you know what a snuggler is? We don't use the same. You don't, you don't use the same vernacular anymore. Vernacular. A snuggler. Hey, if you go skiing or snowboard and something like that, and you have hot cocoa with schnapps, that is a, a snuggler. Koozie. That's a what? A koozie. A koozie. A koozie, which you put over a beer to keep it difference. cold. It's the same difference. Oh my god. A koozie is the same thing. You as younger a generation. It's unbelievable. No. Okay, first of all, snuggler, snuggler was before they had accusations of misconduct for those like Harvey Weinstein. Snuggler. Yeah. <laughs> they called yeah, him Snugglers. They called him <laughs> Mr. Snuggler. Yucks. Mr. Snuggies. Yucks. Mr. Yucks was That's probably nasty. His, that was his middle name. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he looked like... So how are you doing today? A little frazzled. A little frazzled. Have frazzled? To, have I noticed to... your, you know, like your, your fur was standing on it. Yeah, there's a lot of world events going on, so I'm a little frazzled. Uh, normally, we'd address those world events, but we figured that we'd, uh, the, the bull and I would, we, you know, we'd approach this a little bit differently this week. Um, kind of more laid back, and I say that almost every episode. Uh, episode 7, by the way. Welcome all... All hundreds of hundreds of thousands of you. The crowd roars. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I'm I'm good. You know, I'm 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 doing okay. Just uh, gotta keep your your head on the swivel these days and kind of stay away from all the nonsense that just keeps getting more and more ridiculous. Well, I, I find it interesting. Sometimes the cacophony out there is almost too much, and you got to just kind of shut it down. And sometimes you got to look at things and just say, hey. We're going to take the most optimistic, positive attitude we possibly can and, and just bowl through all this, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm, that's out of my nature, though. You know me. I'm not, I would not consider myself an optimist. Well, and, if you were a vegetarian like me, instead of tearing small furry animals apart every night. Why do you always have to go that direction? Well, you're, you're, you're condemning a me wolf is before a wolf. you know me. I mean, who out there thinks of, well... A snuggler when they think of a wolf. You know no else, one. You know right? what else a wolf eventually became? Man's best friend. Have bovines become okay. man's best friend? When I think no, of wolf and I think of my food. little golden they've doodle, I think food. of two different things. They've become food. Bovines have become food. Unfortunately, doggos. Those have are all become, the minor, lower right. bovines. Mm-hmm. Doggos did something right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, hey, everybody. Welcome again to episode seven of the wolf and the bull podcast um you know thanks so much for joining us you know i'm gonna thank you every time yeah even if you just join us for the first time i'm gonna thank you thank you truly uh you know we really appreciate you and all of our other listeners um but we appreciate you <laughs> you every individual one of you, you. specifically whoever That's i'm speaking right. to I'm speaking directly um, to you yeah yeah uh breaking breaking what would that be considered in podcast the fourth wall Fifth, sixth wall i don't, I don't know. know if there's a wall yeah. anymore um, you know, as a quick reminder, we're going to say this every episode, uh, most of our episodes kind of tie into each other. So if you haven't done so already, check them out. You know, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, I wouldn't say they're great cause you know, then I'm just getting arrogant, but they're, they're, 
they're good they're on like a scale of like one to ten they're like a solid 8.5 you know well, I, I don't know every time i hold up a card it has a one and a zero on it i just can't read it backward well know? that's because bulls can't read <laughs> no i we use our hooves to count okay oh wow so you can get to two or four two, maybe? <laughs> two. i get to four, four. just with my yeah, stomachs the, for yeah, god's sakes talking, well you know, you're not gonna count the back part of your feet anyway those are um, hooves yeah you know dude don't hooves, i don't know anatomies hooves, hooves. i don't know bull anatomies <laughs> um but uh yeah last episode we talked about the cult of personality um it was pretty interesting uh if you don't know what that is check it out um and yeah so it was a pretty good episode that uh, was a fun episode by the way it, it was uh, i it wish is. we had the copy I, I, I wish we had the rights to playing uh with uh, oh, living colors living colors cult, uh, of personality. cult of personality you know what though that that was one of those podcasts where you could almost you could pick so many figures out of history or even current day and just see how people are either have built or build today cult of personalities around people. Mm-hmm. It's craziness. Yeah, and that's and that's something that I think a lot of people just don't have the time to pay attention to. Uh, but you know, one thing that I have a lot of time to pay attention to is our uh, unnamed energy drink sponsor. Um, if you're ever tired, <laughs> ever weary, if you're ever weary, please. If you're trying to develop a cult, yeah, if, grab your nearest, grab your nearest unnamed energy drink so you don't get sued, and That's open right. it up and go ahead and drink it along with us. Yeah. Bull over here, you can't see him, but eventually one day you will. Oh. Um, but uh, oh, that was kind of ominous. Yes, um, but he's drinking uh, an unnamed uh, alcoholic beverage, so it's very tasty alcoholic beverage. Yeah. But and it probably mixes well with your unnamed. Energy drink. Well, I don't know. No, maybe, not that maybe one. Not. No. no, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe, not uh, that one. you know what you were mentioning a bit ago about our last podcast and the cult of personality and everything. And oftentimes, I wonder. You know, there's some kind of group psychosis that goes along with some of that, but the driver behind that, I often think, is is it possibly that people are so desperately looking for, I don't know, forms of happiness that they reach out and try to develop something like that with with a personality that's very charismatic. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that that's probably the point and really odd that you bring that up. I mean, very serendipitous, almost like we're here to talk about it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like how did you pick so up hard. on that? It went down the wrong button. Oh, yikes. Ow. Um, yeah. Uh, well, if you, you haven't guessed yet, uh, our very attentive audience, uh, what we're talking about today is, uh, is happiness and, um, a little bit different than I think a lot of people talk about it. Uh, I think we mentioned this a few minutes ago. I mean, it's been seven minutes, so I think we've mentioned it. Um, you know, I that's kind of contrary to my nature, not in the sense that I'm not always happy, but in the sense that I'm very skeptical of those that find themselves to be always happy. So <clears throat> the question I have is, are you sad about people being happy or are you happy about be- people being happy? I'm indifferent. Oh, that's pretty much the same as sad about people being happy. No, no. Cause I mean, if you if you want people to be happy, aren't you happy for them? Well, I don't want people to be happy. I want people to be realistic. And I think that that's the difference. I think... Oh, wow. This sec, is going to be fun. Let me, let, me, let me make some context here. because And I took, obviously, you know, with every one of our podcasts, it may sound like we're speaking from notes, but this is entirely off the top of our heads. We're geniuses. Um, so... <laughs> I think the, our... our audience may differ with that are you are you okay you gonna know right? i'm struggling i don't there. think you're supposed to breathe whiskey but you <sighs> well, know now now we're, we're canceled again whiskey knows that <laughs> the brand whiskey yes, perhaps a bourbon <laughs> a whiskey yes. um but uh well the reason i brought the reason i brought this to you know the the table today or, or i guess yeah today this week's podcast um i had an interesting experience so as you know um well, maybe not because, well, I don't know what type of bull you are. So, are you like the the what type Looney of Looney Tunes? I am? Like, am I a cartoon the bull? Muscular, real- like red Looney Tunes bull, or are <laughs> you like the furry odd one from like Northern Ireland? Have you seen those? They're quite fluffy. Uh, since I've never seen a fluff, fluffy, they're fluffy. Bull. They're fluffy. Well, that is kind of a. Or are they a, ox? They might be ox. Can a bull be cuddly? What's the difference between an ox and a bull? An ox and a bull. Yeah, what's the difference? Well, there is an old ox. Just a, geography anyway real question that is another podcast entirely i think oxen are called that because they're doing work for others you know there you put a yoke on an ox and it pulls a pulls the till in the field Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff 
Bulls, we just, as always, stand, stand glistening in, majestically in the, in the moonlight. Field, yeah, that's in the right. moonlight, yeah. Um, well, as, as uh, you know, what I was getting to is I don't, you, I don't know if you'd know this. Uh, wolves have to get haircuts. We have a lot of hair. <laughs> so, as a bull, Once a depending on what type of bull you full. are, um, yeah, you just <laughs> <laughs> all this hair. Um, so, you know, the the wolf uh, decided, and I'm talking about myself in third person for some re- th- uh, third person perspective for some reason. Um, I decided to go out and get a haircut earlier this week because if I don't get a haircut, then things get really dark and depressing. You know, that's a psychological oh, um, it's so cue much to to no. I mean, the talking in third person, a psychological thing that you you wanted. Uh, divest or distance yourself from some subject that you're not comfortable with. So I'm, uh, I'm, I would say I'm analyzing is, you right now. Yeah, well, that. I would say that this probably is slightly true. I mean, I was getting a haircut uh, with my fantastically, excellently talented hairstylist. I am a man. That's a lot of, of adjectives for a, for a stylist there. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a man of culture. I appreciate when someone's good at a skill that they have. Um, and I'm getting the haircut and talking about world events because thankfully my my hairstylist, I guess Barbara would probably be the best person, best term for it. Um, her and I were talking about world events because, you know, she's cool and we can actually talk about world events and they're not all like weird there. Um, and for sake of keeping this person's identity secret, uh, uh, a man that I'm going to refer to as Michael decided to walk in. Um, and Michael, from all appearances... Uh, was definitely is definitely different than a lot of people that you'll meet. Um, walked in, asked if there was haircuts available. Barbara said yes, and then Michael proceeded to play pool because there's a pool table. This is a high end upscale. Wow, I like that place. They've got alcohol too, um, which is great. But this is a high end upscale barber shop. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're talking about world events. And Michael ended up uh, talking. He ended up jumping into the conversation because I mentioned something to do with homelessness. Um, now the big, wide, beautiful state of California, uh, has many big and wide, beautiful fields, forests, mountains, and oceans and lakes. Um, and it also has a lot of other problems that no one ever talks about homelessness Mm -hmm. being homelessness being one of them. And Michael, um, works for the city and also, you know, has realized that homelessness has become quite a problem. Um, and then he started going into his life. Um, and I shit you not this is probably the worst and this is why i'm keeping his his name kind of somewhat obscure it's probably the worst story i've ever heard about someone having growing up one of the worst i mean i've heard bad ones but this Mm -hmm. one was was up there and you know as i mentioned uh michael's a little bit different than everyone else uh very noticeable um michael has cerebral or yes michael wanted to say his actual name there for a second he has cerebral palsy um speaks a little bit different than everyone else uh, and ended up telling me his entire life story, which when you're getting a haircut, uh, not really easy to listen to, um, purely because it was a really uh, difficult story to listen to. And, you know, he had a lot of issues growing up. He, uh, when he was younger, fell down a flight of stairs, uh, cracked open his skull and had to get stitches, went to the ER for that. Uh, messed him up a little bit because obviously, you know, you hit your, your melon a few too many times and you start thinking a little bit differently than everyone else. Um and then when he was in his teens, he was at a party, fell into a fire pit, had to be uh, airlifted to a hospital, which... I that mean, sounds like a hell of a story in itself right there. Well, what's funny is while he's telling me this story, um, he decided to tell me what he told to the the uh, ambulance, um, or the, the whatever you call them. The EMTs, yeah. The EMTs. Um, and he told them a joke, something to do about how he smelled burgers cooking or something <laughs> i just wanted to get close <laughs> to that is uh i have to say is or no no that wasn't well that wasn't it he uh started singing uh johnny cash's ring of fire oh my gosh yeah so to the emts to the emts as he is covered in third degree burns wow um so i don't know if that's just badassery or just a really positive outlook um and then you know he got you know past his his teenage years and was homeless for a while in his early 20s and uh, got hit by a car. Got hit by a car while just minding his own business. Um, and Holy was in a crap. coma for six months. And he died twice. And then woke up from the, the coma. And he's now in his mid-30s. And I, if you were talking to him, I hope you were standing far apart. Because that, man, 
It's like lightning was going to strike him at any moment. Well, he also made a joke about how he's really clumsy. So Yeah, I would say so. Down the stairs, hit by a car, <laughs> falls into the ring yes. of fire with, with Johnny Cash. Yeah, well, here's I guess what I'm getting at is that while he's telling me this story, and, and this, I mean, hearing stuff like this... Um, His name wasn't really Sue, was it? No. Um, hear, I know you'll he, all get that hearing, out there. Geez, that was... At least if you're my age. <sighs> That was a, it. Wasn't a strike. I mean, you you, you hit the ball. It might have been a foul ball, but it was. Oh. It, it went out of the. It went into the stands, but I don't it know can, if it made. You know, it. something could go out of the park behind you. You know that, right? Yeah, it's a foul, foul ball. ball. Yeah, big lung. Ball, yeah, right? but everyone just goes, oh wow, okay, mm. well, throw another one. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that was okay. But I guess the point I'm getting at is that Michael, for someone who's been through so many things, had an outlook that. For someone like me, who and 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 you, Bull, who have you know family members that struggle with things that most people don't, uh, very interesting. Um, because his outlook on life was, I mean, I guess for a long story long, I'll just suggest that he said to end his story that he could go home and end it all, but that wouldn't take away his responsibilities and it wouldn't take away his purpose. Mm-hmm. So there was no reason to do that. And he just lives every day like it's his first day and his last day. You know, and... you know what is amazing to me about that type of thing? And, and several other people that I know or that I know of that have gone through a number of things. And, and you know, we've talked about this before in other podcasts. We're kind of comparative animals. We compare our situations with others, good, bad, indifferent. And it's a sliding scale on, on all these kind of things. But to hear about a, a situation like that. People can take things and circumstances that are beyond their control or things they were born with or a disposition of some kind to, to fall into a ring of fire. All, you can take all these things and they can use it as a as you know getting depressed and they can circle the drain and do all kinds of either bad things to others or bad things to themselves. Or they can use these types of things as a reason to get better or do better or or show themselves to the rest of the world as above and beyond those circumstances they can't control. Did I mention he's a comedian? I didn't really? mention he's a comedian. Yeah, he has a show tomorrow night. Oh my go God, to. he must be so funny. He made me chuckle quite a few times. And, and look, here's here's the thing that I, I really get frustrated about, and I don't want to rant too much, but I'm going to rant for a few minutes, um, or probably less than a minute. <laughs> um, so having encounters with people like that throughout my life and having family members that struggle with things like that and that are that are a byproduct of society that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Um, I try and speak to them like they're normal human beings. And uh, the thing that really kind of got me, and this is why I appreciate my barber or yeah, my barber as well. Um, we both spoke to him like he's a normal human being. We let him finish his, you know, his sentence. You know, we, we told him, like I told him, wow, it's really incredible, like uh, admirable that you have that view on life. A lot of people who have not gone through the hardships that you've gone through have chosen not to have that view. Um, and for me, it's like the world would be a better place if we all just treated each other like we want to be treated. And I know it's a stupid message, but it's stupid, but true. It's true. Uh, and I guess the question I have after hearing Michael's story and, and, sitting there as my hairs was getting expertly cut and at some points holding back like a small wolf tear. Um, <laughs> the question I have is why, why do people, why do they take the alternative path hmm. to, to Michael? You know, because my, Michael went through arguably the worst possible situation you could. Well, I, I got an extended question on top of that too, sure. because people can take all kinds of paths and you look at circumstances like that and you say, there's some internal fortitude there. There's some, something inside of, of someone. Could be their psychological disposition, how they were brought up, who they were around. All those kinds of things are a, a, a portion of what builds the character that allows somebody to have things happen to them and to overcome. And But some people, they kind of need an outside influence to guide them in the right way. And there's where, there's where a mentor, a family member, a friend, a confidant can be a great thing or at times a bad thing, depending. I, I just to tell you a little aside, I, I, I think it was probably 1987, something like that, 
which gives you an idea how long I've been standing here in the field glistening. In bull years, that makes you like 30,000 years old. Well, you know, that's that's how we get wise, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I, I like a lot of people, were, was going through some, some crazy stuff. For my, for my situation, it was all crazy. Like everyone I mean, in my, the 80s. My girlfriend crashed my car, stole my other car. Uh, I got... I got booted out of the place I was living, which I, I on a non-podcast, I'll tell you how. You've never that told went. me that story. Oh, uh, it's probably dude, funny. It was, uh, <laughs> hilarious. When you, when you drive up to a single wide owned by the mother of your girlfriend, uh, I, that's yeah, a story. Nah, yeah. It's a note. And, all your shit is being thrown out under yeah, the grass. No, we'll save this for off podcast. <laughs> my whole point is that there was several other things that were crazy about all that. But I remember my normal disposition. I'm, I'm a fairly optimistic person, but I, I kind of, the way you said it earlier, I kind of feel like I'm a realist a lot of times. Like you're, I think you're and a realist. So I, I remember at the time, I, I, I'm guessing at the year, but one of the number one songs of that year, and the one I played over and over and over for about six months after that period, was um, Bobby. Uh, it was "Be Happy." Wow. By I, I can't even remember his name. Be Happy, Mon. You know that whole thing. I played that, and I didn't like the song that much. But I had to push that stuff into my brain. Bob Marley. No, it wasn't Bob Marley. Uh, it was his it was, son. Marley, no, no, it wasn't. Well, you're looking, you know, look it, it up, matter. but it but in, <laughs> I think Bob Marley, yeah, no, it was, but anyways, it was definitely that Rasta sound, and it was, anyways, it, my whole point is, is that we all live kind of in this weird sliding scale. Bobby McFerrin, I knew it was Bobby something, right? But uh, I was close enough. It was very good. Congratulations, you are quick on the draw with that phone, but. That's what my generation will be remembered for. That's right. Maybe, hopefully not the only thing. <laughs> or, of course, if there's any history left after, well, we can go. To, we, well, this is supposed to be a happiness podcast yeah, today. Let's, let's keep it, let's let's keep keep it, it on the, the other side of apocalypse, yeah. okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of the four horsemen were, no, apo- no. were happy. They won't show up as horsemen. They, they don't they'll show up as nyan cats. <laughs> no, you know what I, that is? I know I don't. It's a little gif. Shows like a little cat. It's like one of those like it's the cat's body is made out of a pop tart. There's a rainbow that flies the? over the back of it. What and, are and you doing in your wolf den? Your wolf music. cave. It's a millennial thing. It's a it's, it's not, a wolf cave cat. sitting around like, bored to death. It. No, no, because you're waiting mm-hmm. to go out at night to rip up small no, free animals. That's, no, that's what I, it is. I, I'm telling no, you, I, I sleep most of. My whole point. My whole point about that that story is that we kind of all live on this sliding scale, right? We. Yeah, uh, for a bunch of different things, but what we're talking about today is kind of happiness, right? And, yeah. And we move along that, and we watch others to see where we're at in comparison, because that's that, and that's one of my internal philosophies, of course. But we got to determine for ourselves when to turn it on and be happy and understand that this is this life is the only one you got. Well, I think the and, and you're right. I think the comparative thing, for the most part, I agree with you. I think there's outliers to everything. Um, when it comes to happiness, and I guess the reason why I wanted to talk about this today is because I see a whole lot of people chasing what I would consider to be the um, red herring of happiness, um, because happiness is subjective. You're you're only going to be able to. I mean, there's so many philosophers that talk about happiness, and there are so many reasons why you should be happy, and so many reasons why you shouldn't be happy. And I guess the quandary, the social quandary that I think most people come across if they ever think about it is why is it that people who are less fortunate than some are infinitely more happy than others? Like Michael, Michael, I mean, come on, there, there's really no evidence or reason. Well, what do you gauge your happiness on? That's well, you the say question, it's comparative. Right? So I would suggest that obviously if it's totally comparative, you base it around the people around you and how you're doing in relation to them, whether you're comfortable. Yeah, but there's, there's got to be a context for that. There's sure. got to be, what are you comparing? I, oh, you, I you don't compare yeah. life as a whole. That's how well, some people you do. compare. Well, some people compare physical objects like your car and your wealth. Yeah, but you, then they utilize it, that object you know, or wealth as the as definition the of their life. Like, well, the, like not, no, I'm talking, people don't use those objects to define their life. They use their objects to compare with others then to define their life as a whole 
Those I are constituents of the whole. Understood. And I, I would agree with you maybe from our perspective. I don't think some people do that. I think that some people just, if I'm not X, then I'm unhappy. I think this is why there's a lot of crisis, crisis, crises, crisis, crisis, crises. I think you have. Crises. <laughs> there's a lot of crises. It's like, what do you, what do you call a bunch of <laughs> moose? Is meese. it a moose or a moose? <laughs> meese. That's right. Um, but uh, I guess the point that I'm getting at is that's why so many millennials are kind of having a, a, a crisis in their 20s and early 30s because they've been kind of but this, pseudo but This is hot. what I'm driving at. I understand, but I, I'm explaining it for the listeners. Because um, they can't understand myself, me, apparently. They can understand wolf I, but, I, but again, but again, my... All I hear is barking. Sure, but I, and, and there's many definitions of happiness. There's many things that could cause happiness. There's many reasons why people are you know happy and they're not happy. I think the, the real problem, though, is people... One, it's entirely subjective, like I mentioned. And two, you know, it's, the, it's based around feelings, for the most part. Um, it's not what happiness is. Yes. It's but not, at the same time, feelings, it shouldn't be substantive. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Emotion. And, and the problem with a lot of this, and the, the, this is the problem that I see is a lot of people are diving deep into their feelings for that pursuit of happiness without quantifying whether those feelings are true or not. Cause you can have a feeling about something or about someone and be completely and totally fucking wrong. I've had that instance all the time. Of course. Of course. So, so for me, when it comes to that red herring of happiness, I think people, end up prioritizing the idea of happiness itself instead of understanding truly what it is. So, and I'm, I want to dive into this because it's mm-hmm. interesting. I didn't know this. Uh, according to um, various sources within the study of psychology, I can't remember the exact source that I cited because I didn't put it down because I didn't pay attention to that. Um, things like psychology today or something. Uh, so there's two vari- variations of happiness. There's hed- he- hedonic or mm-hmm. hedonia, which is derived from pleasure, often associated with doing what feels good, self-care, fulfilling desires, experiencing enjoyment, feeling of sense of satisfaction. So those things are fleeting, right? You right, could, and you that's, could, I mean, that's all about increasing pleasure and decreasing pain. Exactly, right? which I think would play into the red herring of what society believes to be happiness. Do what makes you happy, do what makes you feel good, do what makes you fulfilled well, from your own isn't personal it, perspective. Isn't a hedonist somebody that... Uh, we're all, we're all hedons. We're all hedons. Well, as as the definition goes, isn't a hedonist somebody that seeks pleasure above all else? All of American society. <laughs> wow, that, Dump that us is literally all by in. well, but by proxy. I mean, but that it, goes that goes back to what you're talking about and happiness and my yes. whole comparative analysis. Because and you're right. I'm not but, saying you're not. My, you're, you're to, right. to finalize my my thought on that comparative thing, what I'm really talking about is people in general. Mm-hmm. I hate, I should never use those terms, but generalization, generalization, <laughs> big, general, big, there should be like a sweeping audio assumption. thing, <laughs> sweeping assumption that is never defined by any analytics at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we compare ourselves a lot to others in terms of what we have, what we do, who we're with, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But the, the truly internally happy people compare only to one thing, what their expectation of themselves are. The mirror. The mirror. Yeah, we talked about that in another yeah. podcast. Shameless plug. Go ahead and listen to it. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, what's interesting is on the inverse, and some would say this goes; these go hand in hand. I would say they're inverse of each other. Um, the the other version of happiness is uh, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, no, it's eudaimonia. That's exactly which is right. Eudaimonia derived from seeking virtue and meaning. Important components of eudaimonic well-being include. Feeling that your life has meaning, value, and purpose associated with fulfilling responsibilities, mm-hmm. investing in long-term goals, concerning for the welfare of other people, and living up to personal deals. Now, I think so the most more important... A, that's an objective standard, though, right? Yes, and I think the most important part of that, and I think that most people will not pick up on this because it's not fun, is the responsibility part of it. I think that's the most important part of it because there's freedom in structure. There's freedom in... in, in rigidity there's freedom in um but what's the old saying freedom isn't free right well it's got to yes. have there's got to have some responsibility behind that and that's True. what you're talking about right? yeah and 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 it's like uh it's like what i said in the, uh, another podcast yeah. uh, shameless plug uh you know you, you can't really fix the world if you don't have your own house clean type exactly. thing you know um so I, I guess my point in in bringing up the happiness aspect of things is i think a lot of people go for the hedonistic part of happiness as opposed to the uh eh in my mouth Ugh. sorry wolf hair uh <laughs> the, the eudaimon the eudaimonia part mm-hmm. of it which is the much more boring but ultra fulfilling part of it well you know hedonism overall kind of uh, brings to mind 
some some sort of action towards something that as human beings we all dry we all have these things in front of us that say oh that's that's pleasurable you know that's that's something we we want to avoid pain and we want to run toward pleasure and there there's a lot of psychology around that i mean people people literally reframe how they go about certain things in their lives to lose weight, to stop smoking, to do all these other things by, by taking something that is normally pleasurable in changing the thought pattern around reframing it into something that's painful, which drives them away from that. Well, there's still, but the people who overcome things like that, yeah, like you said, they, they, they have the ability to change their thinking, but they also act in spite of like, it's like with courage, the fear never goes away. Mm-hmm. Like if you go into war, it's not like you're gonna like guns are firing and missiles are going off, and you're gonna be like, "I'm not afraid," and run out. Like that never goes away. Like you no. might be desensitized to the violence, you might be desensitized to the sounds, but the fear of mortality is always with us. I, I right? would think so, but it's a good question. I mean, we haven't been in those circumstances. True. But to, to to my point a second ago about reframing, I mean, it, on almost anything you've done for the first time, the human mind. I believe, and again, broad stroke again, you tend... I, Captain Broadstroke <laughs> over here, just... Well, <laughs> 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 I hope you're as good as swimming with the breaststroke and the butterfly as well with how you're broad, broad stroke, stroke and everything. <laughs> well, it's hard to do broad stroke with hooves like this, but, you know, it's challenging, but it's, it's doable. I've totally lost my focus now. <laughs> I need to get back on that sliding scale of yeah, so, non-hedonism. So, we were talking about pneumonia. fear and, yeah, it, and and reframing and yeah. all that kind of thing. And I, I think my point of it is that whether you're talking about something is is uh, devastating and life altering or ending as going to war, or something is or uh, driving a car or driving a car or any of that stuff, or you know the the first time you've learned to maybe shoot a firearm mm-hmm. or. Um, do something, do a cold call if you're in sales or something mm, like yeah, that. My favorite. All those kinds of things are like, the first time you do them, you're like, gulp. I mean, is this something, this is, okay, I can, I can do this, I can do this. I can. And, and you you have to kind of almost play games with yourself to get you to do certain things. Yeah, but, but I think and, that's also because you have a realistic expectation of what will or will not happen, right? No, you have an unrealistic because the Maybe reality is, is millions, and millions, and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people before you have done all of these things. Yeah, so and my my whole point is is that reframing happens kind of uh, it it evolves you as a person because once you've done something, you can never go back to the thinking you had before you did that. So now here's the problem with that because I think you're right. I don't think that th- that applies to ethereal things entirely when it comes to something like happiness. And the reason I suggest that is because <laughs> happiness, because it's a chemical reaction in our brains and because it's only technically known to us. I mean, if you were in a room, you know, and I heard sobbing, you could be sobbing because you're sad. You could be sobbing because you're afraid. You could be sobbing because you're joyful. You could be sobbing for a myriad of reasons. And I wouldn't know unless I saw you and was able to distinguish via facial emotions and you telling me what you're actually feeling. So I guess the point that I'm getting at is that we can talk about like comparativeness and people shifting their mindset. But at the end of the day, happiness is subjective entirely to the person that says they're experiencing it or not. But right? it's part of your experiential being. It's part sure. of the thing. It's part of the thing that actually makes us human beings. Actually, the differentiation between happiness and pain or suffering, if you will, is something called the priority principle. Yeah, and but that that is. But that ties pro- into responsibility. Though, no, right? no, no. I'm not even going there. I'm talking about self awareness sure. to begin with. That sliding scale is something important, but the the idea of the priority principle in psychology is that there's a self awareness to the fact that we as human beings either are or will suffer. Yeah. It's one of the things that differentiates us. Wasn't it Prince's yeah. Bride that said life is about suffering or something life like that? Life is about suffering. The, That's... What's his name? In this... Wesley said that, didn't he say the, that? What would they be that? That's not indescribable. Oh, oh. It's... In, uh, <laughs> indisputable. No. no. Inconceivable. There you go. Inconceivable. <laughs> my, my belief is that you shifted the poison around... And while I wasn't looking, I shifted it back. And then you think I'm going to drink that, but really I know good. better. <laughs> in reality, you've been my name is Inigo You've been Montoya. putting a little bit of poison in your system the whole time. My name is Inigo Montoya. 
<laughs> you killed my father. I prepare to die. Prepare to die. I love that movie. That's um, a great movie. But, uh, I, well... Uh, who knew Andre the Giant was such a great, talented actor? He was a giant was of a man. Unbelievably big. Yeah. Dude. Like... And here's I mean, the thing is he was like giant in ways that didn't make a lot of sense because LeBron James and Bas- James and basketball players are giant, but they're not. I mean, some are kind of like, wow, dude, you're like other world. Have you ever been to was, a, an NBA basketball game in uh, person? They make the court look like it's I minuscule. I say that I have, but I was when I was really young. Yeah, they're, they're, they're huge individuals. Yeah. They really are. But Yeah, but they're also big and gangly. Andre, like they're gangly. Was most Andre yeah. wasn't gangly. Andre uh, was a rock mountain of a man. O'Neal was not gangly. Shaq. True. Yeah. Shaq was not. Okay. He's still in existence. He is not gangly. No, he's Thank, not a gangly please God, man. Please God. Please God. Shaq is he, the only pure has, NBA player left. Apparently, he needs gold bond though a lot, right? No, Wait, did we hot. just get canceled for a gold bond and icy hot? Probably. No, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but you were going with the priority principle, right? No, not priority. Priori. 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 Well, I want to say the priority principle. principle yeah, because the all, all I'm saying is it's a it's it's part of the psychology of being self aware, and one of the things that sets us apart from being to, to be human beings is to understand that we either do, are, or will suffer because life is in in part about that. And the whole point you were making earlier about happiness and pain, and we're on this. I, I said scale. You said I think range or something like that when you were talking about it is that it is dependent on people's view uh, of what their circumstances are. This, this, this person, Michael, that you were talking about, he went through a hell of a lot of pain and suffering. Probably still is from the injuries he had. Oh, yeah. You don't go into comas for six months and die twice and, and burn, burn half your arms off or whatever he did falling in there with Johnny Cash. you know. And that's well, got to be a story he's not telling the full well, Truth no, about, obviously not. I mean, he was there for like dancing 10 around a fire with I don't know. Yeah, he was there for ten minutes. Uh, and look, I guess the point that I have because you're right, I, I don't think that you're wrong in this instance. But I think my point in suggesting all this and bringing this back up again, um, you know, about the heat, the hedonic and the, eudi- the eudaimonia mm-hmm. versions of happiness is no one pays attention to the latter. They always pay attention to the first one. And I think what ends up happening is when you start consuming yourself with what society tells you happiness is. You're comparing yourself to an unrealistic expectation, which is, I think, the problem here. Because we talk about, you know, happiness or fulfillment or responsibility, or we can talk about, you know, love or intellect or sadness or loss. We can talk about all these different things. Every single one of those has to do with realistic expectations. If you come into something like if, if, if like, for example, if you if you go into if you're terminal, if you have a terminal disease. And a doctor walks in, and this is actual thing we'll get in, get on to in a second. I might as well just bring it up anyways. So there's something called false optimism. Mostly used in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Basically what it discusses is when a doctor chooses to focus on the process or the medication of something for a patient that is terminal as opposed to coming in and saying, look, you have six months to live. There's not really much we can do. We'll still put you on this medication, but you should probably get your affairs in order psychologically it's better to say the second than the first based on statistics you've come up with based on what this article was that i talked mm-hmm. about so um, how, how does that how does that now go ahead go ahead well basically what i'm getting at is i think that form of false optimism telling people about you know getting more money or comparing yourself to people that you you want to be like um or you know pursuing whatever feels good i think that ideology of false optimism has streamlined into society so because... i've got a counter to that though okay and, and i and i'm just thinking about this off the top of my head because in in uh, it, it's underpinning baseline understanding of what you're saying i kind of agree with you on this mm-hmm. uh matter of fact i mostly agree with you on it but i also i also know that the world and society we live in bombards us daily with the opposite of happy things they bomb or they bombard us daily with false optimism and false happiness constantly from the perspective you're talking about. So the question becomes if, if you're, if you're being bombarded by negative things Mm -hmm. all the time, whether it's in, in the social media look at or the, 
the circles you live in or the work that that if you read statistics, most people hate their jobs and hate their lives and hate their spouses and hate the da 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 da. Nobody really hates that. It's again a sliding scale, but all this negative stuff. If if you're able to pour some optimism into somebody from the outside to counterbalance some of that, are you doing good or are you making it worse? That's the question. That depends because someone who's optimistic, and this is coming from my anecdotal experience with my family members, wakes up every morning and thinks, okay, things will go good, but and isn't expecting the worst because that's what cynicism is. They have an evil, evil. They have an even <laughs> level keel ideal, mm-hmm. an evil, yes. an even yeah. level keel ideal. Wow, that's a great. Wow, that's um, a lot of alliteration of uh, of how things will be, mm-hmm. and it's like with it's like with life, right? You know, you we're all gonna die, and a lot of people spend well, a lot it, of their it, lives. What? Yeah, right. A lot of people spend a lot of their lives scrambling for these things that mean ultimately nothing, because they won't matter when you're dead. And not recognizing that you have an end date, you have an expiration. Well, now so you're I guess talking my about point, purpose or lack thereof, which ties into happiness, right? right? So I think you're right. So my point is, someone who's truly optimistic is someone who's going to realize the importance of the lack of time that they have and the responsibilities associated with it. I would rather have a doctor come in and say you have eight months to live, or a month to live, or six days to live, so I can spend all the time that I can with the people that I love, rather than focusing on maybe. See, I, surviving. I'd rather have a doctor come in and say. Hey, statistically, you're in, you're up the creek, man. But having said well, that, there saying. is a lot of really cool things we can that's do. That's what I'm suggesting. So I'm not giving this negative information to you without you understanding that there's more than just a stick here. There's a carrot. Yes, that's there's what I'm suggesting. Like, I'm not saying the doctor should come in and say, lose all hope. You're going to die. There's yeah. nothing we can do. I'm well, saying what the I was doctor... going to ask you a minute ago is terms of the, the medical optimism that comes mm-hmm. out. Because there's there's studies on the opposite side that, that there's a, a huge placebo effect that goes on in people's minds with or without medicine if you tell somebody you're taking this drug that's going to help you in this way you're basically triggering triggering the chemical makeup of your own body the endorphins and everything else that goes along with the reparative aspects of your systems in a positive manner that's that's really what you're doing. So is that a negative thing to do? No, I don't think it's a negative thing to do. But the problem is most of those studies, I mean, I don't think there's millions of them. I think there's a handful of them that have shown these things. Placebos are very real. At the same time, the placebos that are given, they're given with the context of solving X. So there's a realistic expectation. If you go in and say, okay, well, if I take this magical drug that's going to get rid of my diabetes or, no, or whatever. Yeah. There's a context associated with it. They don't say it's going to solve your cancer. They don't say it's going to solve your brain aneurysms unless it does, right? Mm-hmm. So so my point is society doesn't ever give people realistic expectations. Like there's these... Well, I think that's a better way to put it. You got That's you my gotta... point is if false optimism doesn't have realistic expectations, it has a, well, you're going to be fine and you're going to, everything's going to be okay. We're not going to That's gonna just holding out lying. Well, that's, that's not false. But yeah, that's, there you but, go. But that's it's what I'm saying. It's and, the and same so thing. So you've got, you've got two, two sides of the same coin here. You've got this, this idea that, that if you're going to take on all this false optimism or, uh, or otherwise pie in the sky stuff and you're going to say, hey, yeah, I'm Pollyanna. I, but, I, yeah, but whatever. But, the, the the sun's always going to shine. There's nothing bad that's ever going to happen. But society conflates those, right? Society conflates optimism with right, Pollyannaism. Because it, it polarizes that, just which, like it polarizes every other. Well, well it's thing like in the it's world. like the the book I've mentioned multiple times in all of our other podcast episodes. Listen to it. Listen to him. Shameless plug. Um, Steven Pinker. Yeah. All right. He yeah, talks yeah. about how it's taboo within scientific study to have some sort of positivity, saying things aren't as bad as they are because cynicism is now followed by intelligence. Or intelligence is followed by cynicism. But isn't that an aspect of being clinical? Isn't sure. the definition around clinical but, being just, here, this is all contained within this structure. Yeah. And there's no room for these other parameters because that may skew things, good well, or yeah, bad. But, but, but positivity. Because if you're falsely positive or you're falsely negative, you're skewing the psychology yeah, but that's of the, diff- the difference with. between being falsely positive and being falsely negative is there's a heavy bias to one degree. I can say, look... Um, we're having a great time in the world right now. There's still problems like what's currently happening this week and be really bummed out about it. But then also simultaneously, real simultaneously realize, wow, we have enough food to feed 7.8 billion people. For yeah. You part. mentioned that in previous podcasts. So, so, so it's all the way you look at it. Yeah. So my point is, you know, true positivity, true optimism takes into context 
actual things to support the premise. If I, for example, want to be optimistic about Michael living a great life, I'm going to look at what he's currently doing. If Michael is in his house cooped up depressed all the time, likelihood is he's probably not going to do too well. And I could maybe go in and try and adjust that and, and inspire him and do whatever I can to get him off his butt. But at the end of the day, that's up to him, just like happiness is, right? So uh, I just think that, and, and look, I'm making things up when it comes to false optimism because there's not, as far as I know, outside of naivety, there's not really a coined term for it. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed it in society to the degree, degree where people are like, okay, this is a safe space. This is a no negativity zone. You know oh, what yeah, negativity I, does? I had to use that safe but, space. But you, know what, but you know what negativity does? It keeps you alive. That's what negativity does. When people say, look at negativity or cynicism or criticalness, because they conflate all these things into one bucket of, I don't want to hear. Um, if you go into the water and you don't have a life vest on, at a certain point in time, you're going to drown, right? So it's kind of critical to be like, oh, you probably should wear a life vest or you're going to drown. So as but, you're underwater, you're calculating, statistically, I have a 32% chance of surviving this, so I might as well give up. That's negative. No, that's not what so I'm what suggesting. You, what are you saying? I mean, I'm, saying I, I mean, I'm disagreeing will... with you here on this because all of these things are mm-hmm. on scales. Yeah, they're all right? gradations, yes. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, the, the great thing about being able to listen to podcasts like this and listen to other people going on about, statistical analysis of this psychological aspect or this this current event or whatever the case may be is that we then can ingest that and put it through our own internal filters which is a combination of how we were built and what we learn along the way right our dna and circumstances that's what we we spit out we spit out of that a way of going about life that balances those things as best as we know how Mm -hmm. and i think the relationships we have, as complex as they are, with small groups, large groups, tribes, civilizations, etc., give us weight to pull us or push us in those different directions. And our job almost is to find the center that we're good with with ourselves. That's that's that is that's why that is why. Now let me finish. That is why you find a majestic animal like myself standing okay, look. in the field. That listening may be, in the distance under the moon. That may be. And I'm not saying that you're wrong because I think you and I agree on this. What I'm suggesting is society would never make that argument for you. I don't think society, and what I mean by society are the people who know better than you, the people who are trying to sell you something, the people who are trying to get you to believe in their message that you didn't create organically. They told well, you to believe. I think therein lies our problem. But we shouldn't but believe any of those people. But that's my point is the premise of happiness, just like the premise of love, has been bastardized to such a degree to where it's unrecognizable to people like you and I who haven't acknowledged this. Meaning, the rat race. Why does it exist? For happiness, right? To live a fulfilling life. To make as much money as you can from a hedonistic point of view, right? Mm. That's what the suggestion is. Well, that's a suggestion. But, 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 see, that's what's, but these but, things you're talking about are all constructs of the societies we individuals put together. I understand, but you and I had no part of putting that together. This the power that be right now. Okay, from a proxy perspective, yes, but no one is. People are not going to. I hope. Look, if you're listening to this podcast, let's be absolutely clear. This is this is opinion. I'm not telling you to change your life. I'm not telling you to think differently. I'm not telling you to do anything. See, I think I think you just hit on the the main point of this. Not only this podcast. But in the reflectiveness of our society today, people will listen to, to you know, pontificators on a, a podcast or somebody from a, a stage or somebody Why? from a political. They'll Why do listen, they listen to them? Because they can't use their own personal agency or they're not willing to filter all this stuff through and develop they their own They listen to them because it makes them feel good. Because they're looking for Hedonist happiness instead of. You 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 eudaimonia 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 eudaimonia, you. eudaimonia. So, not pneumonia you don't n- get pneumonia from eudaimonia <laughs> well actually that may be why people I think we need to change the word to bologna bologna, bologna yeah. sandwich I would great. much rather be a bologna, bologna sandwich no I wouldn't want to be a bologna sandwich because that's made of beef and you know hey bulls do not like beef but anyway um, cannibalistic nature has been <laughs> seen in many animals. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I keep saying the names. You have to bleep that out. 48 minutes. I lasted 48 minutes. 
Um, so look, I guess, I guess what I'm really getting at is the pursuit of, you know, hedonistic happiness and not eudaimonia happiness leads to false optimism or naivety about what happiness truly is, which creates a feedback loop of nonsense, which results in truly unhappy people as opposed to fulfilled people, which is why so many people are having the crises that they're have crises that they're having today of identity of purpose, of mm-hmm. reason, of of community. I mean, all these things we've talked about I, I think ties back to this misinterpretation. Yeah, I, I, we agree on most things. We go back and forth a lot, as you, you listeners can can hear us during these podcasts do. But I think the the crux of it for me is purpose. Uh, it, it just is a it's a succinct word that defines. It, it it's almost like a a guidepost, if you will. If you can. If you, as a a person, can spend time, and again, I'm not giving advice here, I'm just giving you my editorial on this, my opinion, but if if you as a person can spend time trying to develop your purpose, that doesn't mean your overarching, lifelong, guiding purpose that is is the, the, the light that guides you throughout all your... That's great if you can find that. It's wonderful you can. I haven't done it yet. Most people I know haven't. But if you can start looking at the smaller picture and deciding my purpose for this is X, Y, and Z, you give yourself a subconscious boost toward pushing you in a direction that you've decided. You, not society, not the internet, not a politician, not the wolf and the bull, have given you that guidance. And I think that that's true. I I think along with that, you know, Again, a purpose, and we're not giving advice here. We're just positing ideas here. Purpose can be anything. And when I hear people say, well, this is my lifelong purpose, yeah, you didn't know that until this point. Just like when I when I, when I I talk to people and say, well, I, I, like, look, this is cynical, and as a wolf who's about to be uh, a, a part of a larger family legally, I call bullshit when I go to weddings and I hear people say, I knew from the beginning. No, you didn't. You didn't know from the beginning. Because what that does is that throws out, it's a, it's a platitude, it's a nice platitude, nice to hear, throws out all the other chaotic elements of a relationship and life and existence. I'm going to have to throw out half my speech now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, great. So I, I guess my point is when it comes to purpose, I think that in part due to misunderstanding and in part because of the social betters that exist around us, the confusion associated with that makes it kind of a platitude. Your purpose should be this: do what betters <laughs> do. What betters? It's a red herring. Yes, do what betters yourself every day, and in proxy those around you. That can be a part of your purpose, and in doing that, and, and, and fulfillment comes through that. Fulfillment comes from being a, a person who cares about others. That's why, and this is why I get so I, like to talk about things that are. Um, I guess modern, because we haven't really touched on anything this week besides my anecdotal story, which did happen, I swear. Um, <laughs> it, there was a, a, I think it was a New York Times writer this week that that uh, released a, an article um, about how she was happy with being uh, a mother. And she got absolutely grilled by all the woke of Twitter because you shouldn't it's say no that. longer it's an ideal thing for a female. If well, there is well, such a thing. well, you will. Okay. Well, we got, we've been canceled six times. Now it's the seventh. I guess my suggestion is that, you know, fulfillment, responsibility, all these things that have become wildly unpopular because wildly unhappy people tell us that they should be wildly unpopular. Those things in part provide what you mentioned earlier, freedom. Mm-hmm. And without freedom, and, and, and I encourage people to read books um, about history, and one of the books that I've read that has uh, by far probably made me cry more than any book I've ever read in my entire life um, was called uh, Auschwitz, uh, a doctor's eyewitness account uh, by uh, Miklos Niesli. He was a Jewish doctor who was brought to Auschwitz and worked as Dr. Joseph Mengele's uh, assistant. Long story short, um, he saw a lot of atrocious things. Um, Dr. Joseph Mengele, if you want to look him up. I think it's Joseph. Yes. Uh, uh, look him up. I, it's disgusting what he did to people. Um, with that being said, one of... You read Victor Frankl's book as well, right? I forget the name of it, but the, he, uh, he was all about him being in, 
in camp for all that time. I think so. His whole story Long behind that. Ago. Very interesting psychology. Um, and this is totally, this is me taking this quote and applying it inappropriately, but I'm going to apply it anyway because it makes a lot of sense. Um, the quote is, you know, we have learned that nothing lasts and that no value is absolute. The only exception to that rule, freedom. And that can be seen in almost every single thing because at the end of the day, the things that we talk about when it comes to structure or rules, caring about other people, making decisions that are beneficial not only to yourself but those around you, um, trying to fulfill a, not by theological standards, even though theological standards do apply, but by kind of universal standards of what a morally just life would be provides within that, for a lot of people, obscure viewpoint, it provides freedom, which is really kind of a counter, counter contradictory counterintuitive counterintuitive yeah and in yeah, it's funny because a lot of the different discussions we have you specifically look very closely at for lack of a better way to put it rules or societal constructs or the things necessary to achieve freedom for instance or independence or some of the different things we have in the united states that a lot of countries in the world don't have is there's a responsibility and there's a set of things that we should, not necessarily must, but we should do. And I think that going back to your comments about hedonism, hedonism kind of skirts that, kind of does a dance around those kind of things and says, no, everything that over everything is secondary to overriding my self need for pleasure. Well, it suggests that, that freedom can be found within ultimate pleasure, and that's not true. That your point is what I'm trying to make as well. Yeah, true freedom is not doing whatever you want whenever you want, because that leads to something that is never free again. Well, you become enslaved to the fact that you want to do things that you always want to do without considering those around you. I mean, it can be seen with, you know, um, vices like you know alcohol or sexual addiction or drug use or being a general asshole i mean like the, like i happen to suffer from the very last one yeah you've got um, the ga you got ga syndrome yeah um so many syndromes these days um <laughs> but i guess my 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 suggestion is that these things are very enticing they're very or like great examples like buying a brand new like porsche you look great in the car probably super fun to drive but you're locking yourself into an x amount of dollars per month for x amount of years thus kind of sorta making yourself an indentured servant to the company you bought it from not saying you shouldn't do it uh, you can say that about almost anything exactly that you, but you spend because there's sure. a big dramatic difference between spending and investing exactly and buying a new car is not it's never an investment. investment. Very rarely, it's, it's never an. It's, it could be, I suppose. Eh, if you'd have not bought, with new cars. If today, back no. in 1975, you bought yeah. a Bronco and kept it, yeah. I guess that would be an investment. But well, but that's that's an outlier. No I, one would yeah, have done yes, that. Yes, exactly. I, I guess my 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 point is, and I guess the car may not have been a very good example. But with that being said, people like Michael, they understand the thing that a lot of people don't understand. And what I what that secret I guess is is that happiness is a decision, and that within responsibility because he was overjoyed to tell me about the things that he does. He has three different jobs. It's three mm. different jobs. Works for the city. He works down at the flea market and he works at a local coffee shop. And he was proud to tell me that he's worked there longer than the original owner did. Hmm. I don't know a lot I'm of people that are sure proud how you work anywhere someone longer than the original. Yeah, owner. Someone, someone bought it. So he oh, was okay. there with the original owner. And gotcha. The, the gotcha, gotcha. So uh, look, I get those are small wins, but most well, people, that's who, what life is. Small well, wins. I, but I, I guess the point I'm getting at I mean, is why you, is it you remember that Michael... The old, you remember the old story, right? You go to the graveyard and there's a, a born-on date and a died-on date, right? Yeah, and Billie Eilish is standing in the middle saying, <laughs> I am totally still by <laughs> Hey, that's pretty good. You can um, indie girl. <laughs> I do a really good indie girl voice. Um, my, my whole point is it's never about either of those two dates, right? Sure. It's about the dash. Yeah. It's what you do in the dash. Wow, that was really, really deep. Because <laughs> I wish feet, I was the first. I wish deep. I was the. Oh, yeah. depends on how far. That's about how deep your cave is. Why right? is it six feet? Is it? Is it? The, is there just that past certain point? There's just too much rock. You would know this. You know. Is, have you, have you ever thought about that? It. I think it. Well, do you know what they used to do a long time ago? Long. Just long, throw long, people long. in well, it, holes. Exactly. And... They did that. <laughs> six feet was supposedly a distance that the animals couldn't dig down to regularly. 
This was before Maybe. you got embalmed and everything else. Maybe, it but was it to also was the, it, no. It was also well. That's that's a different story. That that <laughs> ha- that happened because that was the length of string that was usually cut hmm. to put on a bell. Oh yes, yes, I remember. So in this. case you woke up in the coffin, you could yeah, ring, the ring the bell. Yeah, that would talk that about was terrible. Suck. Yeah, can you imagine they dug some of these people up and there were like scratch marks and stuff on there? <laughs> That's <laughs> just <laughs> like a, a Michael Jackson thriller pose. <laughs> like, oh, Billy, he couldn't reach the string that was down by his feet. We buried him backwards. <laughs> oh my God. We buried him because they said they were uh, Eudaimonians. <laughs> oh, yeah. Darn Eudaimonians. Well, I mean, I, I obviously this was just, you know, a bunch of bullshit no it wasn't look look what i mean by saying bullshit this this has actually been my favorite so far my favorite podcast so far that's because because you can't remember the other ones no (laughs) the bull is not that old Thirty thousand the synapses are firing Thirty thousand years old do you remember when the the stone was supposedly rolled away in front of the grave Yeah, well, Mary, 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 and Mary used me to push the boulder away. Oh, hold it! No, that was the angels. You pulled the you pulled the the Are we wagon. Being sacrilegious you pulled at the, the same wagon thing? as they put the palms down. In no. front. <laughs> you were you were saying that was a badass ball, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, we know our uh, biblical history here. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, I'm staying away from you in case you get struck down. That's right fine. I'll have a joke to tell when I get up there uh, <laughs> or down there. I don't know. Oh man. Oy. Yeah. Well, uh, as as Aristotle said, and I'm suspect of this quote because some quotes are very suspect. But Aristotle once said that happiness depends happy happiness happiness depends upon ourselves, and at the end of the day. Everything depends upon ourselves. He said, he said that right when he was telling the story of Atlantis, which is totally made up bullshit that it's now everybody still believes. You know what? I think he was the world's greatest troll. I think he, <laughs> like Nostradamus. I think they were Can just you like, imagine them during internet days throwing out their philosophy and memes? They wouldn't exist during internet like with days. cats. They wouldn't exist during internet days. They'd get distracted by Nyan Cat. They wouldn't. Well, you think about that guy. I mean, he was so into it. No, he said, Adamus or no, Aristotle? No, Aristotle. He's like, the hell with you guys. I don't care if you don't like me. Wasn't he if stabbed you... to death? No, he said, I'm going to drink Socrates? my own hemlock. Oh, yeah, you're right. Who was stabbed to death? Was it Socrates that was Caesar. stabbed to death? No, there was someone else that was stabbed to death. Socrates was killed by... Pretty One of them sure was, was killed by a student. Pretty sure Socrates got stabbed to death. Yeah. I think. I could be wrong. There was know. another one, they too. All... I, what I do know Pythagoras, for sure um, is they all died. True. Yeah. Pythagoras got caught inside a giant triangle. Some of you will get that later. You'll wake up in the middle of the night and you'll have a, an equation in your head and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was actually a really good one. Um, and as George Orwell once said, because <laughs> we'll end ending, it with our Ending favorite. with our dystopian friend. Or, you know, we could, we could end with the Dalai Lama. Why don't, instead of doing George Orwell, let's end with why the don't Dalai you, Lama. Why don't you get a quote from like Napoleon the pig? From Animal Farm. I mean, we're into animals, right? And yeah, wolves, too, wolves love bacon. Work. That's too much work. Okay, well, go go with well, or, well, Georgie. Georgie said happiness can only exist only exist in acceptance. Yeah, Georgie, little Georgie, want a want a red balloon, Georgie. <laughs> oh God. Um, and then uh, the Dalai Lama, because that's what we'll end with, uh, is uh, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion, and if you want to be happy, practice, practice compassion. compassion. Right? Deep. I could write. He would be the best. He probably already does. That's probably where he gets all his funds. Is probably just writing Hallmark cards. Yeah. <laughs> he had he had all kinds of old tablets and scrolls and stuff. He just read the stuff from you know previous wouldn't thousands it be weird? of years. Obviously, of this quotes is from historically people. totally inaccurate. But wouldn't it be weird that like Moses going up to Mount Sinai and the Dalai Lama is just sitting up he there? Go up to Mount Sinai. It was Ararat. Oh, you're right. I can't remember these things. Sinai, Ararat. I, how did you remember that? Good for you. 
Like, good for you. Well, quote me I've been around since the stone that's rolled true, away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you saw Moses hike up the. Uh, that's, that's great. He was up there a while too. Forty Came days. down and then he tripped. Up, he I tripped and broke the stone. He made up, up this whole thing about golden calves. Forty days and forty nights. It's always forty and forty. I know, which Don't is always weird. That? Yeah, I, I think know. maybe they lost track of time. Maybe we should start a diet that says forty forty diet because that's like biblical. It's historical and biblical. I don't know if that'd be very popular today. Well, forty forty dollars. Jesus Jesus was tempted for forty. Forty forty diet based on the original forty days. That's that's right. Brought to you on the thirty eighth day. You will see a burning bush. I swear. (laughs) What was that guy's name that did like the late night commercials? Uh, who died from a cocaine overdose. Oh, yeah. Uh, Billy Mays. Billy. I'm Billy Mays, and I'm here to advertise to you the 40 days and 40 nights <laughs> diet. <laughs> He'd have sold millions. All you need is nothing, because you're going <laughs> to not eat anything for 40 days. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, you know, at the end of the day, happiness, <laughs> the end of the 40 days. <laughs> happiness is a state of mind. Yeah. And as Bobby McFerrin, Ben McFinnigan? It's Bobby. Bobby <laughs> <McFinnigan>. <laughs> he was an old Bobby McFinnigan. He was an Irish guy. He, he said, was an Irish guy. Be happy. Don't Remember, worry, be a happy man. Count your potatoes and <laughs> drink your Irish whiskey. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, everyone. This is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bolt Podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build the Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, the Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day but don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye.